You know, drummers are some of the most interesting people. Go on. No, really. Um, especially drummers that are also musicians. Oh! Oh! oh come on! Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm so funny. Yeah, so actually, Stephen Chopek, great drummer. Great musician. Great musician. <laughs> Singer, Great songwriter. Singer songwriter. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that, that's for those of you who are just rolling your eyeballs or having it, it's an old it's an old joke. Yeah, drummers and, mm. and being a, yeah musicians joke dumb joke. Anyway, so Stephen is uh, uh, still crushing it on drums and he is furthering his singer songwriter career, writing fun songs. Uh, fun. That's not doesn't sound right, but and get. Rockin' songs. Rockin' uh, songs. He's just a talented guy. He's my favorite vegan. <laughs> <laughs> we we bonded over we bonded over Brussels sprouts mm. one evening. I do like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're amazing. I like them with bacon. <laughs> no, no, no bacon. Um, and uh, no, but you know, Stephen is also uh, he's toured with some heavy hitters. Yes, we'll, we'll drop some names. And um, uh, gosh, I think one thing that he. Uh, alluded to and uh if you check him out online he's uh, expanding is that he toured with a ton of disposable cameras back in the day and right. li- literally collected trash bags full of disposable cameras that <laughs> he never had developed and he just started cranking out these pictures of uh, some of the artists he's yeah, toured we, with yeah, we, we get into that and you'll, it's, yeah. you should you should look into it it's it's fun <laughs> it would make a fantastic coffee book is that still a thing? Coffee table, you know, like those, coffee those giant book? coffee table book. Yeah, coffee book. Coffee yeah, table. yeah, sure, it's a thing. Yeah, people still have coffee tables, right? Yeah. Um, so here we go. Hey, <laughs> Memphis Machine welcomes Mr. Stephen Chopek. Do you like Steve? Stephen Stephen? Stephen. Stephen Chopek. Yeah. Who has uh, made Memphis's home, and he's travel. He's still traveling a bit. Drummer, singer, songwriter. Just came off the road, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I was away for August did a summer tour about a three week three week tour through um, the Midwest, like North Midwest. I don't know if that's an actual term. The that, nor- northern yeah. Midwest. The North Midwest. Um, Minnesota and um, um, Kansas and uh, and Oklahoma and those states. It was really beautiful. That part of the country in August. Oh, okay. It's fantastic. Illinois and Chicago. Yeah. You know, the parts of the country that the rest of the year, the, the other, you know, nine to 10 months of the year, just this is winter. Yeah, right. So in the summer, it's really, really nice. It's lots beautiful. of sunshine. Yeah, lots of sunshine. And and not necessarily punishing, you know, it's hot and it's warm, but it's not, you know, while the rest of the country is, is kind of, you know, in flames on fire, you know, th- th- that part of the right? country is like safe. So I discovered that just kind of by chance a while ago about, you know, that, that part of the country that time of year. And so I'm, I'm kind of sticking you, to you that. Know, you know, Detroit's had a hard time, but when global warming really kicks in, Michigan's going to be the place to live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, geez. So where hey, are you from originally? Yeah. New Jersey. Oh, that's, yeah. New Jersey. From New Jersey, northern New Jersey, town called Rutherford I grew up in. And I was living in Jersey City um, for about 15 years before I moved to Memphis. Moved to Jersey City in 99, and then I moved down here in Memphis in 2014. So it was great growing up in that area as a musician, as a musician growing up in the kind of metro area. Rutherford is kind of... 
I don't know, I'll say 15 miles from, from Manhattan, from kind of the middle of oh, Manhattan. Wow. And Jersey City yeah. is right across, uh, Jersey City is Hudson County, so it's right across the river from from Manhattan and access, easy easy access to, to New York via train or bus or driving. And so it was great for, for, for studying, for teachers, for seeing shows, for gigs and meeting musicians. And it was, uh, it was a, a great. A diverse musical diet. It's very. Right? Very, very. Yeah. yeah, all kinds of things. I mean, New York, uh, you know, a big thing. In my, the, the Knitting Factory was really kind of coming oh, up. The yeah. Knitting Factory had their second location on Leonard. They started on Hudson or Houston, I think. And then they, they made this kind of complex on Leonard in in, uh, the tri- in Tribeca. And that's one of the spots that I would go to a lot. They had two or three levels and three or four stages, and they would have... Um, uh, you know, John Zorn would be playing and I saw Lucero there and I saw, you know, they would have all kinds of things where the rest of the roots there. And so that, that was kind of knitting factory for me was kind of a, a microcosm for what was great about New York city is just yeah. being able to see so many things in one place, Yeah, which was great as again, as, as a fan and as a, as a student as well. So and we're going to touch on so many things because you're you're a very capable uh, drummer, of course, and um, and I've gotten to do a little bit of uh, playing with you yep. as part of a rhythm section, but uh, have enjoyed immensely your your, your singer songwriter uh, uh, ventures. You know, so let, let's let's jump in. There. We just started off talking about you. You just came off the road, mm-hmm. and uh, once you tell us like how. How, you know, we can touch on like what it's like to be grinding as as, as an artist now, your singer songwriter. You know, your your uh, your your front net, so to speak, uh, getting dates. Like, how's how's this come together for you? So, in about 2012, I I started writing started writing songs or started completing songs. I should say, I've always kind of messed around with 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 songwriting as a drummer kind of growing up you know in the suburbs and and um band rehearsal would be at the drummer's house yeah so all the gear would be there and people would leave their gear there and then i would kind of mess around with things and mess around with guitar and mess around with keyboards and always kind of putting things together and kind of early on got a four track and and would would experiment with with putting together songs and arrangements and and also kind of always having a tape recorder close by for you know if i came up with something cool i'd kind of you know, keep, keep, a keep a record of it. So, and, and the, the, the point that that would always kind of stop everything that I would do would be instrumentals, you know, when it came to time to writing lyrics, writing or singing lyrics, that's when I would kind of, that's where the songwriting would stop. Okay. So at some point in, I suppose it was 2000, 2011, 2010 or 11, I kind of decided to, Sit to make a commitment. You know, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to finish a song. I'm going to, you know, song being, I'm going to write words. I'm going to make music. I'm going to put them together, regardless of how good or bad I might think it is. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, like finish something, start something, and finish something. So, so I did that, and then and the tune, you know, and again at this point I had a bunch of things compiled as far as music ideas, chord progressions, and then keeping kind of journals and lyric books and things. Mm-hmm. So just kind of put those things together and, and came up with a couple of tunes and a couple more tunes and had an album's worth of, of, of material and recorded it with uh, a friend of mine 
He's got a studio in Virginia, in Gainesville, Virginia, kind of outside of D.C. So I went down there for, you know, about a week and, and just recorded this album, just guitar, electric guitar and, and vocals. And and just kind of kept rolling from there, you know, finished that and wrote some more tunes and some more songs and did a, did another album. My, my friend Chip, it's called, uh, it's called Alpine Red, it's in Gainesville, Virginia. Did a second album with him. And so that was 2012 that I recorded and released that and then booked some shows around that, around that time, some mm -hmm. shows out of town, but started booking some tours, which kind of came up, came up accidentally. The, the, the booking, booking shows is kind of a whole nother aspect of being a musician. You know, it's a whole right. nother like skill set and it's a whole nother kind of one of the many full-time jobs that we take on as musicians. Right. So at the time that I released this record, this first record is called see-through. I was playing drums in a band called the Everyman. And it was, you know, it was getting the van kind of rock band, you know, a bunch of friends of mine in New Jersey. And it was kind of collective in that the, the singer was, you know, it was, it was his project, but we, we had all kind of taken on turns at times booking shows. Mm -hmm. So one of the, one of, one of the, you know, we were kind of assigned tasks of, you know, everybody let's, everybody let's at least book one out of town show, you know, let's all kind of yeah. take on the booking booking responsibilities. So one of the shows that I booked was in Atlanta, this place called Smith's Old Bar. Uh, really cool spot, been there for a long time, kind of legendary spot in Atlanta. And they have a big room upstairs and a small room downstairs. And I played there throughout the years with a couple of different people. But one of the times, one of the more recent times I had played there in like 2010, playing drums with a, a songwriter out of New York named Todd Carey. We played the small room and a, a friend of mine, it turned out, was booking the room, though I hadn't seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, he was doing sound and booking the room, so we kind of reconnected. So when, when it came time to booking this and out of a town show for the Everyman, I reached out to him, you know, for a show in Atlanta. So booked a show for the Everyman, and that that for for whatever reason the Everyman couldn't do the date when it came time to it. Oh wow! To do it, so I was like, you know what? I'll keep the date and I'll I'll play it myself. You know, I'll I'll play. I'll do my solo thing, mm -hmm. which I did, and that turned into I would have gone. You know, I was living in Jersey City at the time, and I would have kind of made a road trip just to do a. You know, it would have been my first kind of out of, out of town solo gig, which yeah. I was pretty psyched about. So I would have done made that a one off show, but I thought the better of it and decided to book some shows on the way down, or maybe a show on the way down and something on the way up. So kind of booked a, a small, you know, it was like a long weekend kind of tour for myself. Yeah, and so that just kind of get the, got the ball rolling for me as far as booking shows for myself or booking tours for myself, mm -hmm. it just kind of combined two things of, you know, really liking to travel, really enjoying traveling and really enjoying performing live. And at the same time, knowing what an important role regular performing is in like developing, uh, as a musician, you know, yeah. at any point in your career, but particularly as a start, you know, the singing and songwriting thing was kind of new to me and performing as a performing out, out front of the drum set was a right. new thing to me. So I knew that it would be really important to just kind of do that on a regular basis, you know, get it, get out of the rehearsal room and just kind of perform. And, and I knew as a drummer, my early days of touring, when I was touring with with, uh, with playing drums with Charlie Hunter, he's a you know he's a big road dog. He still is. And yeah. Just just remembering what a growth, 
what a steep learning curve that was um, in in playing every night and adapting to new to new situations, you know, different room every night, because, you know, there's important, of course, as you guys know, to like practicing every day, you know, and that's, that's, that's extremely valuable. But you guys also know that there's, there's no substitute for like the live right, thing, right. you know, regardless of if there's five people there or there's 500 people there that you're just in a different headspace. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, 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 you're just thinking more on your toes and mm-hmm. it just kind of brings you to another level as a performer. For the same reason you practice your instrument. I mean, you got to practice performing, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, like you're saying, you got to log more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of musicians listening would, would especially new upcoming musicians would want to hear you talk about booking these things for yourself. Yeah, Maybe. and w- which was which again was a whole new skill set. You know, booking shows is one thing, but then booking tours is a whole other thing. It's it's this kind of strategic. You know, you're mapping out like a like a you know you're mapping out like a battle plan. You know, you're looking at the map and and picking out. You know, you can't. I mean, you could do the whole country, but I mean, you know, you want to pick out a certain area and okay. you know route it properly. And, but um, the the. the uh, it, it was so valuable. It was such a valuable experience for me. You know, that that, that initial tour that mm-hmm. I just kind of rolled with it. And rather than you know waiting around for or kind of spending my energy on looking for somebody or reaching out to people to like book a tour for me, I just kind of took it upon myself. You know, and and again for somebody starting out, a booking agent, they're going to want to see. You know, it's a rare situation that 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 they'll take somebody from the ground up. You know, right. especially these days, they want to see somebody who's at least one got the initiative to actually do it, and two that has something to, you know, some kind of uh, has laid some kind of groundwork. You right. know, yeah. So it's just something that I've been rolling with, and and so every you know every year uh, since you know since about like 2014 or 15 or so, I'll 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 put aside a couple months out of the year and. Um, just pack, you know, take a month and just pack it up with shows and pick, you know, either like an East coast or, uh, you know, the, for example, in, in August is in the Midwest, um, you know, splitting it into parts of the country, you know, East coast, South Midwest, yeah. October, I'm going to be going out. Uh, I've been to Texas before. I'm going to go back to Texas and then like beyond, you know, I'm going to do a couple areas further West than I've gone before. I'm going to do like Texas and New Mexico and Arizona, um, so it's fun and it's a lot, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily hard work. It's just like a lot of consistent work, you know, okay. staying on top of it. And, you know, again, being a musician, you know, you learn these skills that you can apply to different areas. Like, you know, like practicing, for example, it's like you practice every day and yeah, it's great if you can, you know, dedicate two or three hours a day to practicing, but the reality of it, the reality of it is like, you know, once you're like out of college, you know, and, and having that dedicated time to practice four hours a day is not really necessarily there. So like making time every day, uh, you know, whether it's like, um, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes and applying that, that, that kind of mindset to like booking tours, you know, every day I'm going to reach out, you know, I'm going to reach out to this many people and, because especially with touring, because you're on a timeline, you know, if you want to book a tour for the spring, you got to start in the winter. Sure. You got to start reaching out in the winter, and if you wait right. too long, it's going to be too close. So, um, uh, 
yeah, it's been an interesting experience to apply those different to, to you know, to, to songwriting, to learning guitar, to pl applying those kind of lessons that I learned as a drummer to being, uh, you know, guitar player and then, you know, applying those things to other fields of being an, an independent yeah. Musician. I mean, so are, are you just kind of jumping on the internet, or is, I remember there, I remember seeing advertised the indie band's Bible of yeah, there's a of venues or something. There's a that, bunch sorry. of things out there. I mean, I, I, I kind of started out. Sometimes my starting point is a there's this website called DoDIY.org, and it's a lot of DIY um, venues and people who kind of book shows around mm -hmm. the country and. So, uh, you know, that, that early on was, was, was a, was a spot, was a place that I would go to just to kind of see what kind of opportunities were there for like independent musicians starting out. And, and so, yeah, a lot of it is, is a lot, and a lot of it is community things, you know, seeing where friends of mine are going or seeing yeah. where friends of mine have been. And, and again, just keeping, you know, just keeping a database and keeping keeping track of, of, of the places that you've heard of or places that you've been. And and uh, it's, it's a lot of non... It's non-creative. I mean, it is kind of creative in the way that y you can be creative with it as far as how you're, how you're approaching. But it's not yeah. like the, you know, it's not the glamorous side of... No, and of I, I'm, I mean, you know. like, um, is, is there a certain level of uh, a little anxiety to where it's like having to uh, you know double check you know dates or making sure oh yeah you know, the, the owners having like oh were you tonight totally. because oh yeah it's right? like it's like lists of lists you know there's <laughs> lists of venues there's lists of places that I've reached out to there's lists of places that I've played and then when it comes time to like advancing the show a couple of weeks before like places that I've reached out to to kind of you know you're advancing, but it's also kind of like reminding, you know, the places that you're going to be there. I'm about to get in my car and drive to your place. Yeah, <laughs> hundreds of miles away. Right. You're on board, right? Still. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not necessarily like hard stuff. That it's just like it's, it's a, it's a lot of it, and I, it's something that I, that um. You know, uh, just like other things, you might not be ready to do, but it's like you, you kind of get yourself yeah ready to do it yeah. And it's it's just it's 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 kind of interesting to be learning these these new these new skill sets. Yeah, right. Yeah, man. So do, do you remember uh, the threshold of crossing over from side man to front man? Or do, do you have like little inner dialogues in your head of like, here I am doing the song and this feels good, but it's also like. I'm still breaking into this. Carl's got selfish reasons for asking. Do, do I? <laughs> well, it's interesting because Carl's trying to do this right. Part, <laughs> part of the what and you know we're talking about things. I'm kind of we're kind of skipping around. Sure. Kind of skipping around. So the 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 point of you know writing songs and then kind of booking out of town shows. In between that, there was the time the period of time where I was. Uh, busking in the, you know, I would kind of perform oh, yeah. in the New York City in the subways. And again, that was kind of that, that mindset there was again, just doing it every day and doing mm -hmm. it over and over. And, and, you know, in the subway, as long as you don't get kind of, you know, asked to leave an area, you know, you could be somewhere and just for hours, you can just work on, I mean, you can work on one song if you wanted, you know, the yeah. turnover is pretty, you know, <laughs> right, for better yeah, or worse right. in the subway, <laughs> nice. people are not paying attention. Sometimes they are, but you know, there, uh, there. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to do a set of 
you know, an hour's worth of <laughs> music, different songs. Right, you can right. you can work on something, and so I would do that. You know, during the day, and then at night, there's there's open mics. You know, there's a bunch of open mics. Right. You know, in in, in the city. So I would do that. And the first couple times I did that, particularly the first time, I thought to myself, you know, I've been on stage before. Right. I, I got this. I've been on stage before. But when I actually was there in front of the stage, in front of a microphone, and not behind a drum set, I was like, oh, no, I don't got this. Ah, <laughs> this yeah. is, you know, it wasn't like a train wreck, but it was definitely a, it was a, it was, different it was a completely yeah. different right, mindset yeah. of being, of, of your voice, you know, not just your instrument voice being heard, but your, you know, your vocal voice and being in front of the stage. So that was, that was another pretty steep learning <laughs> curve and, and a huge help the going to those open, the, the busking and going to open mics. And right. so that was, that was a big part of it, of, of the, the kind of mind, the kind of like paradigm yeah. shift. Yeah. Right. You know? And there, the, you know, there's open, I mean, there in Memphis, I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's a, there's a website, I haven't checked it in a while, but it's called openmic.com or openmic.org or something. And it's got a list of, you know, people, it's kind of a, I think it's a, you know, community generated kind of thing okay. where there's open mics around the country, you know, the, yeah. the, all the, and I know in, in, in Memphis, you know, Jeff Cabana does it and PNH does it. And, right. um, those are great to do because, you know, it's nice cause you're performing in front of people doing something that you haven't done before, or maybe a song they haven't done before, but everybody else is kind of in the same boat. Yeah. As far as doing something new, again, they're either new to the whole field or they're working on a new song. So, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like a safe place. So you need com- camaraderie. Yeah. There. <laughs> exactly. That's neat. That's cool. Let's, let's talk about your move to Memphis. Yeah, yeah. I moved to Memphis in in 2014. Uh, my girlfriend now wife she moved down here she moved down here for a work opportunity she went to grad school we met in new york she's from long island she, she was living in brooklyn when we met so and she went to grad school at nyu and there was a, a bloomberg program bloomberg fellowship placing fellows in different parts of the country in la new orleans chicago uh memphis to work with the mayor's initiative delivery team huh so working on community development programs, financing small businesses. She was working on a gun down program, you know, stopping, you know, gun, gun violence uh, and gun like possession program. And uh, she was doing a lot of things with the mayor's initiative delivery team. And after that, so that was going to be for a year, initially for a year. And then when that, for her, when that year, year ended, they hired her on full-time beyond oh, that. Yeah. So she was down here for about two years before I was. And she's now with, uh, she's now with the MMDC, the, the um, medical, uh, Memphis Medical District Collaborative. And they're uh, kind of reimagining the, the medical district initiatives for, for, uh, for businesses. Wow. And for, for renters and for homeowners and kind of getting people back in the, in the, in the medical district, you know, and, and so the medical district, like, I guess son, you know, was kind of on the, in, in the medical district yeah, or right. like on, uh, and Sam Phillips. And so, uh, there's a new, newer place called edge alley and high cotton brewery. Like all that stuff is the, like right across from there, Kudzu, which I think is still vacant. Like that's all medical district stuff. Okay. So they're doing a lot of programs, a lot of, um, community engagement programs there. And, um, so that's where, that's where, that's where she is now. But so she came down here first. She came down here, I guess, 2012. 
And then classic um, Memphis, you know, arrival story. Yeah. yeah. How'd you get here? A girl. Right. Exactly. Ah. That's that's how I got to Memphis. <laughs> and so we and we um, we got married actually a couple of years ago. Uh, coming up on two year anniversary, we got married at Molly Fontaine. Congrats! Yes. Yeah, which is great. So I came down here. And on in February of 2014, and when the when the opportunity came up for me to move down here, you know, we were talking about. You know, both we we've done a long, you know, she and I had done a long distance thing before, and we didn't really want to do that again. There was talk of her, you know, would she come move back up north? Would I go down there? And I kind of, uh, I was, I kind of. I was really interested in, I, I, you know, I don't want to say I, like I jumped at the opportunity to move down here, but I didn't really think too hard about moving down here. Okay. I was like, again, growing up in New Jersey and, and um, uh, you know, my family is there and, you know, a lot of my, met, you know, most, a lot of my good friends there and coming up there as a musician has been great and being there as a work musician is great, but I was ready for, I was ready for a change. Okay. And I'd been to Memphis a few times before on tour with other people. And then when she was living down here, you know, kind of visiting, I knew that I felt, you know, I had a good feeling about the place. Yeah. So I was excited for the opportunity. I was ready for the opportunity again for her and I to connect down here, to reconnect down here. And, you know, I always kind of felt before that, that like, okay, you know, as a musician, I can be in New York, I could be in LA, Nashville, maybe Chicago, you know, there's like a very small amount of places, which to me always kind of felt, you know, you know, thinking ahead, I was like, maybe I don't want to live in, what if I don't want to live in one of those places, you know? Like I was never really comfortable with the fact that this is what you do, these are the places that you have to live. Right, yeah. So with Memphis, I was like, okay, I know it's a great music community, you know, kind of historically, and I knew a little bit about the things that were happening here now, you know, the music that was happening here now. So, but at the point, like, in my life and in my career, I felt confident enough, like, okay, if there's not enough stuff going on to keep me engaged or occupied as a drummer, I I also have my solo thing going on, you know, then, like, I'll figure it out, you know, if there's not a thriving thing happening or a thriving thing that I'm not, that I'm not able to get involved in, then I, I'll, I'll make my own yeah. thing, you know, I'll yeah. continue, you know, so I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really stressing about th- that kind of thing. I was more than anything. I was just kind of looking forward to the opportunity of a, a new thing and a new place and, yeah. and in a new chapter and in, in, for Abby and I. And so, before I moved down here, my friend uh, George Slepik, great drummer in town. Yeah, we met a long time ago when I was playing with Charlie Hunter. He was he was living in on the West Coast at the time, I think San Diego, and he was playing with uh, a, uh, an organ player named Robert Walter. Yeah, and so Robert Walter, Robert Walter's Twentieth Congress, and then Charlie Hunter band, we did a lot of touring together in like the early you know 2000, 2001, 2002. Oh yeah. So I met George way back then. And we'd been we'd been friends since then, um, and he was st- when I moved to Memphis. He was still living in L.A. at the time, but he kind of put the word out to to people. Hey, my friend Steve is coming to town. You know, check him out, or you know, he's yeah. he's a good dude. He's a good drummer, and so I kind of took that that list of you know. So when I got here, um, 
you know, just the kind of couple people off the top of my head was like, you know, go see Susan Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, go check out John Paul Keith and Amy LeVere and, and, um, other drummers to, to link up with, you know, Pee Wee and, and, uh, Joe or Steve-O and all these kind of people to check out, which I did, you know, I went to go see, um, uh, I kind of hit the ground running and, and, and kind of went to go check out people play and introduce myself to people. And so uh, an early, a pretty early selling point was I wasn't living here in Memphis at the time, but I was visiting Abby and I was driving around Midtown and I saw George and Joe walking together. I didn't know Joe, Joe or Steve, this is. Yeah. He was just on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I saw Joe and George and it, like in Cooper Young, they were going into uh, next door, I think. So like, I, uh, you know, I parked and, and went to go uh, find where they were. And um, it was a Monday. I think it was a Monday night. So they're like, you know, they're like Monday, you know, kind of thinking of things for me to check out. And they're like, they're like Tuesday night. They're like, go to the Buck, go to the Buck and see Dave Kowser oh, on, yeah. you know, he was doing his thing at the Buck in here. Um, and they're like, you know, here's his number, reach out to him. I think I was actually on a, I was on a, a solo tour of my own at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he might, you know, he'll probably let you sit in or something or, or, you know, do a set. You know, Dave is great about that, about having people come up and, you know, on a set break, you know, having somebody from out of town do a couple songs. So I went to the Buck on a Tuesday night and saw Dave. It was, you know, it was one of these kind of like, you know, it was this, one of these like magical, you know, the buck was this kind of, you know, great spot, but kind of like dingy, creepy kind of place. Yeah. And it was a Tuesday night and there were, there were, you know, I think actually Josh from, um, from Star and Micey, I didn't know him or I didn't know Star and Micey at the time, but I remember him being there. There were maybe like three or four people there and Dave was kind of, you know, tucked in the corner doing his thing. And I was, I was like, I was just really kind of taken in with the whole situation with the buck. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if, if this kind of thing, you know, Dave, Dave Kowser solo thing, I was like, if this kind of thing is happening at this kind of place on like a Tuesday night at like midnight, you know, then this might be the place. Then this might be, this is like a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was like a Memphis selling point for me. Um, so, um, so then when I did move, move here and, you know, went to go out and, you know, went out and to see shows and kind of meet people and, um, you know, p- part of the thing about being a musician or being like a working musician is like, you know, not just playing, but going out, you know, supporting your yeah. fellow musicians and like, you know, quote, making the hang. And yeah. sometimes that's, uh, um, Sometimes that could be m- more of like a chore than a pleasure. You know, for me, like per- in the, in the past, particularly like being in New York or being in New Jersey, and and that's another kind of interesting thing about being a musician, like being a touring musician, or being like a you know a, a musician at home, uh, you know, being a musician having like a a, a bass. When you go out on the road, particularly as a sideman, you go out on the road for a while, and obviously you're not able to do things in town. Yeah. So people kind of call other people. Sure. Rightfully so, you know. So when you're on tour, this this is something that I kind of learned pretty quickly touring, you know, living in the New York, New Jersey area. You know, you go on tour, when you come home, you got to kind of let people know that you're like, I'm back. I'm back. I'm still alive. (laughs) You know, it's still working. I hope. So, um, 
and a lot of the times, you know, you come home from tour and it's like, you just, you just kind of want to lock yourself inside, you know, you don't want to like go back out and like, you know, be on the scene, you know? Yeah, you get, right. But when I came to Memphis, I was like excited to go out and, you know, to just kind of take it all in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a genuine like enthusiasm to, it wasn't just like I was on the hustle, like, Hey, what's up? I'm Steven, hire me. Hey, what's up? Steven, hire me. You know, I was generally interested in like, um, you know, going out and seeing what's happening. Right. For this season, we're inserting our own commercials, aren't we, Jonathan? Can you call them commercials? I I guess you can. Yeah. What a little, little, uh, promo. You know, we've never blatantly asked for money, but we kind of are. And we're not really asking for, well, we're kind of asking for money. We're, we're asking for a partnership. Is that what it is? We've put it off as long as we, we we've, can. We've really put it off. Yeah, we, <laughs> we really have. You know, we, we had we had some uh, delightful sponsors in our first season, uh, uh, Red Wire Audio, which is still great, guys, and uh, Snakebite, um, some super duper folks. And we're looking to see uh, if anyone uh, you know would like to jump in and help us cover production costs. They, they are real. Uh, that, that's some truth. My folks told me when I was a kid, son, you're going to grow up one day and you're going to have to face production costs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so anyway, if you'd like to jump on board, reach out to us. You can sponsor an episode for this season or any previous season. This is true. We can edit. Yeah, we can jump back and... We'll spin the hard drives and, oh. just, and just slice and dice. Indeed. Um, so one of the things I met JP, this is, and right around this time that, that when I moved here, the band that I mentioned earlier, the Everyman, I was still, I was still touring with them. So I was out of town a lot for most of 2014. I was touring around. And then when I wasn't, when I wasn't touring, I was working on my second record at the, at, in Gainesville. So oh, okay. I was doing a lot of back and forth and not really in Memphis a lot. So it wasn't until like the end of 2014 that I was able to really kind of kind of make my presence known, you know, and, yeah. and, and being able to take gigs and knowing that I would be here. And so one of the things, uh, let's see, what was it now? Uh, it was, at, it was at Lafayette's and it was, um, it was a show. I forget who I went to see, but, um, J- John Paul Keith was there yeah, and he was just kind of in the audience. He was hanging out. And so I introduced myself to him and, uh, went to go see him a couple times and kind of sat in with him. Um, Brian Wells was playing drums with him at the time. Yeah. And 2015, there was a number of gigs that Brian Wells wasn't able to do, so I was subbing for, for JP. So I was subbing for Brian on JP's gig. And that was, that was really kind of my introduction to the Memphis music community and the scene and playing it at, uh, DK and playing at, um, playing at Lafayette and then through, through, through JP meeting Amy LeVere and -hmm. meeting Will Sexton and meeting all the other people that, that Amy and Will play with, you know, Sean Zorn and, um, and, and, and again, playing with Dave Kowser. Um, and, so that was a big, and then I did a lot of playing throughout 2015, did a lot of playing with JP in town and we did some tours as well. We did a, we did a show in Spain, which was a lot of fun. You know, we did some, uh, you know, some, 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 uh, some out of, out of town, out of country things. And that was, uh, and that was great for, for me to, to really kind of get immersed in the scene. Yeah. 
And and JP, as you know, he's he's also kind of like a music uh, historian, a Memphis aficionado. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really. Um, that was really great too. He kind of not just playing, you know, his kind of repertoire. Not just, you know, uh, in addition to his original music, his the the original the covers and the standards that he does that really got me introduced to a lot of music that I an artist that I kind of heard of. Right. You know, speaking of, that's how I got to Memphis. Speaking of that that song and that and and so many other tunes, so many classic tunes that I wasn't really familiar with until yeah. linking up with him. Um, so that was, and then since then, been playing with JP and playing with uh, um, playing with Amy Levere and and um, um, uh, you know so Bruni dance band, oh Bruni dance band, yeah. you know recently been just playing that with them, on. yeah, yep, it was a blast. Uh, so it's been great. And, and again, the diversity here that I wasn't expecting. Speaking of Obruni, you know that I, the diversity that I wasn't really. Did, that I didn't really think was going on. You know, Rooney Dance Band is a high life, you know, an African high life band. Yeah, yeah. And um, I play with a band called Red Squad, which is a, you know, straight up kind of riff rock, you know, kind of metal band. <laughs> um, playing with songwriters and, you know, the Americana, uh, you know, kind of scene and um, country stuff and um, another n- n- another northerner, Mike Doty, um, right. moved to town. Coincidentally, around the same time that that I did, um, and he and I knew each other uh, from the New York scene, so we kind of reconnected down here. I've been doing some like improv gigs with him. Uh, um, Tony Maynard, uh, he's he's a great uh, uh, songwriter, band leader. Did a bunch of gigs and recordings with him. Grace Askew uh, recorded on her most recent record. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been great as a drummer. It's been really fantastic. Uh, as far as keeping staying engaged, you know, not just doing one thing right. all the time, you know, all the time with, you know, I'm able to kind of uh, spread uh, spread myself thin, like in a good way, you know. Not so, so if if you had any uh, concerns about leaving a, a a a rich, diverse musical scene on the East Coast. It, it's that's it, not it's not I mean it's not a concern is it? No, it's not a concern. Yeah. I mean it's a little more concentrated, naturally being a little bit smaller of a community, right? yeah. which is kind of a cool thing because, you know, in other cities, L.A. or New York, it's like everybody knows each other. You kind of say that, but like in Memphis, it's like everybody really does really know does. each other. <laughs> you know, and it's cool being the drummer who's also writing songs and 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 um, you, you know putting bands together. that's not, that's kind of like a norm. You know, there's Graham Winchester's doing that. Jack Oblivion does that. You know, for as many people, you know, like everybody who's in a band, they, you know, for example, Joe, who was Joe Restivo, who was on here. I mean, Mm -hmm. he recently released his solo record and he's doing, you know, Love Light, City Champs. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, and teaching and doing all, uh, all, you know, so many other things um, at the same time, which is great. Yeah, which I find again, it's 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 just kind of keeps me, um, it keeps me engaged, you know, it keeps me like activated, and uh, um, I kind of thrive on that. Are there any? Um, this might be an unfair question. Differences, uh, and I don't mean to disparage one place or the other, uh, or I'm not asking you to, but say you know the New York scene and this scene as far as, um, I mean, just just working, you know, I mean, is it? Do you think it's the same 
pretty much everywhere or and and you can answer that and yeah <laughs> what i asked you know like the uh about just the differences in in working in this environment versus where I th- you came from yeah i think there's a lot of things that are i think there's a lot of things that are similar as far as as far as being having the bigger picture in mind b- getting into the mindset of being involved in a community rather than looking for gigs mm-hmm. you know being supportive of of other uh, of other people doing doing their thing um and going to you know just going going to support people and uh going to going to see other pretty you know for all the energy that you put into your own thing which is important you know which you kind of have to do using some of that energy to kind of get other people uh or or just kind of help other people be um have their efforts be recognized you know whether it's going to their shows or posting about other people's shows or um putting the word out about other people's shows and not just shows that you're that you're involved in you know and that's the kind of thing about the fun thing about memphis is that you know you may not be directly involved in um, you know thinking about right now I'm thinking about Alice Alice Hazen fiddle player in yeah. town mm-hmm. you and I played with her yeah. on my show and she's great she plays with a bunch of people and she just um, uh, she just put out a, a record and had a really successful show at B side on Saturday night and um, she and I have you know. I haven't worked with her like in her band. She she played in, in uh, you know we did that trio gig together. Yeah. But it's like you're still there's still a connection. You know I know a lot of the people in her band and and uh, we play we play together in Tony Maynard's band. So you know just recognizing and like acting on that on those on those connections um, that is important. You know that that was important where I came from and that's important here. Um, and it's it's a little more you know it just feels like a little more real here because in New York there's like there's so many people in New York that you don't necessarily have direct relationships with all those people right um, and there's you know in New York there's so many people you know kind of like the uh, the influx of people you know like every you know every year there's so many more people coming into town either you know established musicians. Or, you know, people coming to school to NYU or the new right. school or so there's always like a new batch. And I mean, since I've been in Memphis, there's been people moving here. You know, like I said, Mike Doty has moved here. Uh, Liz Brasher has moved here. Um, but it's not on the level of like, you know, we're in Nashville. There's, yeah. you know, hundreds of people coming in every week or whatever, you know, whatever the ridiculous numbers are. So it's easier to, to maintain, to establish and maintain those connections here mm-hmm. um, than, in, than in like a bigger, in a bigger music community. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, what, what's what, another thing that's also the same is just kind of the, just kind of the, the work, the, the, just like the work ethic involved. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be doing it and, you know, you gotta yeah. be out there and you gotta be doing it. And, um, uh, okay. So speaking of yeah. which, you, I mean, so if you were to, <clears throat> for lack of a better term, your, your clientele, like, you know, being a sideman for, uh-huh. you, you've, uh, you mentioned Charlie Hunter, you've, you also played with uh, John Mayer, mm-hmm. right? So is, is that, is that a level of clientele you're still 
pursuing or is, is that was that just something that happened and if it happens again great uh but you're continuing to be a memphis musician and solo artist i mean how how, how are you allocating your hustle yeah right right, right. Yeah. so um i toured with charlie hunter for about two years i met him through one of the one of the people that i was studying with in new york uh at about the same time i was studying with Billy Martin, the drummer from Odesky, Martin and Wood. Yeah. And I was also studying with Leon Parker, great jazz drummer, percussionist. And Leon, at the time I met him, was playing with Charlie. Charlie had recently moved from the Bay Area to the, to the East Coast. And one of the first people that he played with was Leon Parker. They did a couple records together. So through studying with Leon, I met Charlie. Mm-hmm. We did some recordings together. Charlie invited me to play in his band, which I did for two years. We did a, lot, a bunch of touring and a you know, uh, cool recordings together. And John Mayer was a big fan of, of Charlie Hunter's. Uh-huh. He'd seen us a couple times. And so timing worked out around the time that I was leaving Charlie Hunter's band. John Mayer was looking for a touring band. So toured with John Mayer, was looking for a touring drummer. Toured with John Mayer for a year, for about a year, for a year, a little over a year uh-huh. on his first record. Mm-hmm. Um, after John Mayer, did a summer with Mark Broussard, and after that I did uh, about a year with Jesse Mallon, New York songwriter named Jesse Mallon, and then I did some time with uh, The Alternate Roots, a band out of Connecticut, and and then, you know, since then, you know, The Everyman I mentioned, and Tom yeah. Carey, and all kinds of people. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty early on, just kind of, again, like hit the ground running with, with, with Charlie Hunter. He was established, an established artist at that right. time, so... Yeah. I mean, I had kind of paid my dues as far as being, uh, uh, you know, working, but n- not to the extent of th- the the work that Charlie was doing. Um, so that was like my first, that was like my first, uh, you know, full-time gig at that point. Yeah. I had become like a career, you know, that was like my career at that point. Yeah. And then that was a big thing. And then the John Mayer thing, of course, was a next level. You know, that was like a you know, juggernaut, you know, that yeah. turned out to be, you yeah. know, uh, as we know, you know, I, I kind of joined on when, when everything was kind of growing and mm-hmm. exploding for his career. And, uh, so that was a, you know, that was a huge thing. And then the, uh, the other artists that I played with, you know, were, are, were going strong, are still going strong, but yeah, that level of like, you know, superstar, you know, like Charlie and, and John, um, I love doing that. Uh-huh. And I would definitely, and that level of, that level of, that level of touring and that level of like, you know, tour bus versus tour van, right. you know, yeah. is great. And, and it's a perk for sure. The, those kind of, those kinds of perks and those kind that kind of like, um, you know, level of, uh, you know, like the pay grade of those gigs yeah. is certainly nice. Yeah. Um, so for those, and not, not just that, but like the level of musicianship, you know, on the bigger gigs, usually, ideally, hopefully, you know, those bigger gigs are, um, you know, you're meeting great players and, yeah. you know, Charlie is uh, amazing. John Mayer is amazing. Jesse Mallon's an amazing songwriter. And so, you know, I think that's the real drawing point for any gig for really, regardless of the size of the gig is that you're playing with people either on your level or ideally like a little bit above. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, what, what I'm trying to say is like those, those big gigs, those, those bigger gigs, those are great, but it's not my, it's not, it's not my motivating factor. Like I got to be on a gig that pays me X amount of dollars per week and I need, 
uh, you know, to be on a tour bus and to have my own hotel room. It's and, like, and have 12 sponsors, like the whole sponsor thing. Yeah, yeah it's like right? those things, I mean, those are great, but no, it's yeah. not my, it's not the motivating factor. So like, and, and it's not, I'm not like in that world, like when, when, when that is kind of your, when that is your, um, you know, your focus, then yes, of course there are things that you need to consider like you're probably going to want to be in Nashville for that right. you're probably going to want to be in LA for that mm-hmm. even more so than New York I think these days even more so than New York I mean those things are certainly happening in New York but I mean if you're really into you know th- that scene I think Nashville or LA is yeah. kind of yeah. um, the place which I, I you know Nashville is cool I'm there regularly LA I really love LA um, but not to the point where it's like I need to be in those places. Yeah, you know, right. I, what's more important for me is is being in like a healthy community and being able to work and being able to you know work a- enough to um, you know to maintain a living and to to be able to to um, to support. Yeah, m- you know, to be able to you know finances, of course, are like a, a concern. Reality, yeah, it's a reality. Yeah. So, you know, so there's, there's gigs and, you know, we're doing some teaching as well. And, um, uh, so, you know, to answer your question, those big things, um, like I pursue those, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't turn them down out of principle. I don't, but you know, I don't, that's not my driving thing. You know, it's like, um, but you know, more so than like, quote, the big gig is, is is kind of working, you know, working regularly and working regularly in situations that I find engaging and like nurturing. Yeah. You know? So yeah. creatively, what, what gets you up in the morning? Um, it's creatively what gets me up is that, uh, well, when I'm home that I did, I loaded the dishwasher the night before, so I got to empty the dishwasher <laughs> yeah. because, and then I also need to make the bed because I can't start the day, the day without making the bed. And I've actually heard these things interesting, you know, like whatever, you know, like Marine, you know, drill sergeant talks about the importance of making the bed yeah, each right, day, right. you know? Yeah, right. I'm actually with you on, on both of those. Yeah. You I know, mean, I, I'm not perfect about it, but, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, and that's typically how I start my day. They're just like little jump starters, you right. know, of like, okay, that's done. And, <laughs> but creatively is um, uh, th- um, I usually have a, a project more than one projects going on so mm-hmm. it's like and you know speaking of the dishwasher and the bed thing you know there's these little things it's like I want to get this done so I could move on to what I really want to be doing you know yeah. which is working on some music yeah. you know, some of my own music or um, learning music for another gig or um, I've learned that that can get dangerous too though because those things I, that you're supposed to do before you can do the oh, things yeah, that you yep. want to they, they, they never stop oh they never stop and yeah, all those little things like this will only take a minute that only take a minute yeah. so you do a bunch of those and it's like two hours is gone right, <laughs> right. so you gotta as with other everything you gotta have a balance and, and like find that uh, you know find that middle ground so um what uh, just like moment you know what kind of what gets me going creatively is like is like momentum either working on like building up momentum on something Mm -hmm. or like maintaining momentum on something that i'm already working on like you know uh speaking of lessons and guitar and thing like joe i'm taking some guitar lessons with joe restivo oh nice so you know i got some things to practice with him or i got a, a, a gig um um 
uh, I have I'm playing with with Annie Freres on uh, on Friday, so I have a bunch of tunes to learn for that. Doing Cooper Young Fest on on Saturday. Uh, doing my own thing at Cooper Young Fest on Saturday. Yeah. And what is it? It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Tomorrow I have a rehearsal, so I gotta you know get like a set list together for that. Yeah. Um. So I think like like moment you know think like momentum you know either well you know maintaining getting something going or keeping the ball rolling on something okay so i i I tend to ask most people that that write or create or whatever um so do you have a gosh for lack of a better phrase do you do you wait for the muse or do you have a set time every day or a week where you just sit down and you get it done, whether it sucked or not. Yeah, the the I don't. It, it's more about the uh, it's more about the work part of it. It's more about the putting in in, in the work. Yeah. Okay. The, the, another one of these things that I've heard a couple of times. You know, a writer is like some writer who knows said that uh, you know I only write when I'm inspired, but thankfully I'm inspired every morning at nine a.m. Uh, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so. I don't necessarily have a, I mean, when I first started out writing, um, I, I made it a point to have like a daily, daily routine mm. of, you know, I'm going to work on this every day. It's, it's more in like, it's more in batches now, you know, writing more in batches. Yeah. So, and, and I find that as far as, you know, waiting for things come to you, it's like those things come to you, those things come to me when I'm actually working on something. You know, when I'm in like a zone of, of what do they call it? Like, you know, like flow state or something, you know, when you're right. in a flow state and you're, and you're working on something, you know, wor- like, like results, I mean, it's kind of a, a, it's kind of like a no-brainer equation, but like the results come from work. You know, the, the, you're putting the work in and things are coming to you. That, that's, those are the times when things have really kind of started rolling, when I've actually made the, 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 the practice, made it a point of, you know, sitting down, you know, putting the phone away or putting the phone off and, uh, you know, closing the computer and really, you know, kind of, in most cases, you know, having a guitar and a pen and a piece of paper and just like working on something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I was thinking of really, you know, to, and it's relevant now too, to this, this, this topic, uh, there's a book that Kenny Werner wrote called Effort, Effortless Mastery, uh-huh. which is a great book. It, Kenny Werner, uh, piano, jazz pianist, um, and it's been a long time since I read the book. It's due for a reread. It talks about a lot of great things in there. But one of the things that stuck with me was practicing, was the importance of, you know, kind of cumulative practicing mm-hmm. or cumul- cumulatively working on something. Like, um, you know, again, you guys know it's much more beneficial practicing a little bit each day right. rather than being like, okay, Saturday. I'm going to practice for four hours, right. which you might be able to, which you might do, but reality, you know, realistically, you know, if your mind is not, if yeah. you're not like conditioned to focus, you know, f- you know, if you're setting aside four hours, it's like, right. you're probably going to be productive for like you know, 10 th- or 15 minutes. Th- th- yeah. I, um, I got to study a little bit with Joel DeBarlow, who was like the Johnny Carson bassist, you know, the Tonight Show. Yep. And, and he said some of his most fertile, furtive, 
practice times when, when he had his first kid. And he's helping raise a kid, and he's he's the bassist on the Tonight Show band, and he's you know had this he's playing with he's playing with all these amazing musicians. He goes sometimes I only had like ten or fifteen yep. minutes. He says, but I was like laser beam, yeah, yeah, in the moment, just almmost a religious experience of like, ah, like yeah, yeah. He got a lot done. Yeah, you get a with lot the screaming done. kid, <laughs> or know? the or the threat of like that kid will be screaming and you know he's gonna wake yeah, up right? soon. Yeah. So, um. Y- y- you know, de- dedicating uh, a certain amount of time, even if I can't, you know, sit down for, you know, an hour, yeah. or, you know, t- practicing, for example, you know, the, the, the guitar stuff, working on some like finger picking w- w- with those lessons. Like I know that even if I sit down for, for, you know, for 10 minutes today, it's going to be better than skipping it. And again, knowing that it's only 10 minutes, it's going to be really focused. Exactly. You know, yeah, and, and, and yeah. that's what, I mean, you will never have time. You got to make the time. Yeah. Right? yeah Just totally. like we were talking about earlier, you, you can't, if you have all these things to do before you get to do what you really are supposed to do, oh, yeah. then you'll never do it. It's and, endless. Yeah, exactly. It's, you can yeah. endlessly find other things to do. So just the discipline of scheduling, yeah, however long it is, mm. you know, it's, yeah, that's where it's at. Yeah, that's a big part of yeah the 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 discipline of it yeah. of of the of the practice is is a big part of it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I did bring up the other. I mean, as far as trying to pursue a higher clientele, being a sideman. I mean that I brought that up because that that is a a common narrative in mm. being a musician of like I I haven't arrived in my career unless I've done this yeah they're played with this artist this type of artist this level artist and I think um, what I'm what I hear you saying is like you're you've been uh, consistent in cultivating a, a nice garden of musicality so to speak mm. you know and, 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 you're, and you're getting returns on that uh, you know all the time yeah and well and that's the that's interesting too is the like the investment the the uh, part of it you know you're investing in you know you're investing in yourself and you're investing in your craft and as far as you know like you said seeking those those the the bigger clientele and there's as you know it's like as musicians it's like we enjoy what we do Mm -hmm. you know um which is an important which is important to like to truly be enjoying what you're doing because you know sometimes or most of the time it's like you're not going to have those big gigs. Yeah. You know, you're going to be playing oh, yeah. whatever gig for however many people. And so, you know, in my experience, and I think a lot of other people's experience, you know, with these, quote, big gigs, it's like you do, like, yeah, you can reach out to, you know, there's this artist that, I, you know, the, uh, you know, pick an artist that you really like and it's like you'd really like to play with them. So, you know, you reach out, you know, you DM them online or you, you know, try to get in touch with their management and being like, hey, I do this. And if you yeah. ever need a drummer, you know, call me, which is, you know, those those kind of cold calls are important to do. But it's been in my experience that those things come from just just working, you know, like right. we're talking about you know, writing or something, but just big picture. For example, you know, I knew I wanted to play the drums. I wanted to do it professionally. I wanted to do it full time. I didn't necessarily know the steps, like how that was going to happen. Right. So many things happen that you can't plan for. Right. You know, what you can plan for is just kind of enjoy what you're doing and doing it as well and as often as you can. Yeah. Because these opportunities, you, could, you know, what do they say? Luck is like opportunity meets 
preparedness, yeah, you know? Yeah, sure. So, for example, you know, playing with Charlie Hunter, I mean, that kind of that kind of came up. I mean, I put myself in a situation. It wasn't like studying with Leon Parker, for example. It wasn't like I'm going to study with Leon Parker and he's in- going to introduce me to right. some big-time player that he's playing with right. and then some other big-time guy is going to see that. And, yeah. You know, it wasn't premeditated. You know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like some sort of <laughs> diabolical plan, you right. know? That someone can replicate. Like, and it's going to work that way every <laughs> no, time. It's right. impossible. Like, the variables involved in, like, somebody's career, particularly in a creative field. Right. You know, it's not like... You know, you're an architect, and again, architecture is creative, you know, science and, and being a doctor is creative. But there are, you know, you go to school, you go to pre-med, you do your residency. There's like a, there's a particular path yeah. with other fields. But with the creative field, it's like your five-year plan. It's like, right. I don't know. Still probably, be I'll, working. I'll still be practicing. <laughs> I'll be practicing, yeah, right. you know? Yeah. So, um the 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 I think goals are are important, you know, to, to and, and planting seeds for those goals, mm-hmm. but also being open to what what's going to come up because you yeah. don't know what's going to come up or where it's going to lead to. Um, and that's been like a reoccurring, that's been that's been a uh, that's been kind of a reoccurring thing yeah. in my experience career but, but I, I guess you could say you also notice that within your community though right like artists you have your peers are kind of under the same rubric right as far as pursuing their career right yeah. i mean like this is not it's not out it's not some avant-garde pursuit you know of, of how to do it it's like no this is actually how a lot of musicians are getting it done yeah 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 it's not like it's not like it's not a mystery it's like you work you do it yeah you know like there's yeah. no mystery to Putting the time in. Yeah, I have, have I brought up the the songwriting thing. I did. Someone asked me to, to teach a songwriting class once, which was hilarious because. No, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I know I've, you did. The- I've written a bunch of j- jingles type, but I, I wouldn't call myself a songwriter per mm. se. A composer. But, yeah. 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 But but I when in, in the whole point of my in researching it, I thought you know writing a book is probably very similar. You know, it, it is, and, and and when I was researching like Stephen King mm. and all these other writers, basically, you know, their advice was like, "Well, write a bunch every day yeah. and, don't, and don't suck." Oh, <laughs> and, and 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 honestly, you know, if you get Jimmy Webb's book, you know, who wrote Wichita Lineman, all these famous yeah. songs from the seventies, basically, and he and he has some technical aspects of like here's some rhyme theory and mm. things to think about, but basically. Just write. Don't write bad songs, and maybe people will, re- will record them. And, yeah, uh, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. Or just do, not, even take you know, even to simplify that, it's like, just write songs. It's yeah, like there's there's going to be some bad ones. Oh yeah, you're gonna, starting yeah. off. Well, that was another quote. You know, it's like, don't worry about writing a bad song because you're you're going to write a bad song. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you just, just just write the bad song and throw just, it away. Just just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a, and I, uh, just because I saw, you know, you mentioned Stephen King and I saw it chapter two. Oh, Hey, yeah. Um, and a bunch of years ago, um, he wrote a book called on writing. I think it's called on writing. Mm Steve Stephen King on writing. That's a really good book. Um, and yeah. And, and, uh, uh, like you said, it's, you you know, you, you do it and, um, you know, you keep writing until you have enough for, you know, until you finish that song or until you have enough to, uh, 
make that movie or write yeah, that book and, right. and um, you know, you edit stuff down and you keep working on it and you keep working on it until, uh, until it's done, you know? Yeah. Cool. Or we're not done. And you, just keep, you know, in terms of a career, it's like it's not, you just, you know. Yeah. Keep doing it. Well, cool. Well, folks can catch you uh, in the Memphis area and maybe catch you uh, around the country. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be, um, when this is air? When will it air? We release it in seasons. Uh, we're going to, I think this one feels like it's wrapping up pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Probably within the next couple months, months. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can you can find out uh, everything um, online. It's Stephen Chopek, S T E P H E N C H O P E K dot com, and I keep that updated regularly with things that are going on. And we'll have a link to that on the yep. show notes. Yeah. Yep. And I am so that's that's where I'm. That's my my solo stuff, my songwriting things, and then drumming wise, I'm playing around town a bunch. Uh, Always, and I, you know, post pretty regularly on on my my social media pages about where yeah. I'm going to be, and you could link to all those social media things from my website. And this is kind of a new fun, you know, talking about what gets me up and motivation and momentum and things. I'm working on this new thing called called Backstage Archive, and which is f- photographs. I have when I started touring regularly, when I started yeah. touring full time. I I don't know how I got my hands on the first one, but like disposable, you know, the disposable cameras, right. the little disposable cameras. I would carry. I had one of those with me, and I would just kind of always have it, you know, taking pictures. And then when I was touring, one of the things about you know talking about bigger gigs, you get a rider, you know, a yeah. rider, which is like, I want some water, I want some hummus, I want some red wine, blah blah, blah all those things. When you're on tour, you know, the yeah. venue provides. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, one yeah. of the things that I would put on was a disposable camera. So I would like always have one of these with me. So uh, it's pretty much from the years of like, let's say 2000 to when I started, you know, to like mid 2000s, five, six or so. Uh So, so uh, definitely when I was touring and even when I was home, like in between tours, like taking pictures. So I have photographs of when I was on tour with Charlie Hunter, when I was on tour with John Mayer, the alternate roots, Jesse Mallon, and then again, in between tours and going to see shows and stuff. So I have, I was developing them for a while. Right. So I have a box of developed photographs, but I was, I was, you know, using the camera so regularly that I would just wouldn't even have time to. Right. So I had also had like a hefty bag of undeveloped cameras that I recently <laughs> started going through for the longest, they were, in the spring, I, I went to go visit my folks in New Jersey and got kind of like the last of my things out of there. And part of part of the last the things that I had there were these photographs. Oh my goodness! So I've been going through those, and I'm I'm going to be. I have a, there's a there's an Instagram, um, there's an Instagram page called Backstage Archive, and I set up Twitter and got a you know web you know hosting thing. There's a Facebook page too called Backstage Archive. So I just recently. Uh, you know, I posted a couple pictures, like fun things, like teaser things of like all of the disposable cameras, and then some of like the you know the envelopes yeah. with the photographs in them. So I just posted one of uh, uh, backstage in Japan. I was on tour with Charlie Hunter. It was a double bill. It was a co-bill with John Schofield, with John oh, Schofield's wow. band at the time. So I just posted a cool picture of John Schofield and Charlie Hunter, like, backstage, like, having nice. a conversation. Yeah. So um, that's go- that's going to be a kind of cool thing to keep an eye on. I got a bunch of, like, um, you know, again, with Charlie Hunter, John Mayer, 
photos of Nora Jones, photos of Tommy Stinson, oh, photos, photos of Jesse Mallon. I mean, backstage, you know, tour bus stuff. You know, no, no, like. I mean, I may have them. I don't know yet, but I'm not going to be. It's not going to be like dicey, like incriminating no, yeah, right. evidence <laughs> photos. You know, it's not going to be like sun. You know, it's not going to be like Star Esquire magazine photos. But it's going to be some fun stuff. So that that'll be. Uh, that's uh, that's great. Look that's, forward to that's that on the, on the horizon. Yeah. to check out. Like those old Blue Note photos, or what you know, oh, jazz, yeah. jazz pictures yeah. of like, yep. oh, yeah. You look at those photos, and or I look at those photos of, you know, and. Uh, uh, um, you know, or old rock and roll photographs mm-hmm. of like, you know, like Mick Rock or Bob Gruen, you know, photos of David Bowie, you know, any of the classic, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and and seeing these like behind a, behind the scenes, day in the life kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I've always been fascinated in. So it's going to be kind of fun to like make my own version of that. That's great, know? man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It was a it's delightful fun. hang. It was great. As we say in the biz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're in thanks. the biz yeah we're in the biz we say that. we're in the biz so thanks for having me and um, I'll see you guys around town excellent yeah. sounds good right, take care so there's Steven remarkable human oh that was fun hard working touring all the time and he's got a ton of awesome vegan recipes in case you're you're looking to expand your, your diet. And he's a good musician. Oh, gosh. And a good drummer. Oh, God. Hey, you can check out, you know, we did these little uh, compilation. Uh, we kidnapped a couple of his videos and um, put some tracks on top. And it was it was really fun. And I put a lot of distortion on his drums. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Muddy moments. Muddy I moments. We were, we were, Come on. That was fun. Yeah. Speaking of memorable moments. Um, our audience is expanding. We're we're in our fourth season. I guess it means we're serious. We keep bring, you, you keep mentioning that. And we are serious, we've, and we've, we're also serious about about targeting Memphis. There it is again. That the word targeting. Targeting no exploiting, exploiting Memphis in the best way possible. That's right. How about that? If you've been listening to the podcast and you get the vibe of what we're after, and you think you have something to get out to the masses, get a hold of us, and we will read your copy with passion. Oh. Nobody reads copy like we do. <laughs> Get a hold of us. We'd love to feature you as one of our pals. Sponsor an episode today. Today. <laughs>